This is episode 525 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's podcast, I have part two of my special interview with Dr. Joe Alton, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is usually an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website. But from time to time, I get to interview members of the preparedness community who can bring a ton of value and information to your preparedness. So links for this podcast can be found in the show notes or on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Before we get to the interview, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Audible. Now, Audible Books allows you to listen to the best books when you are on the go. I love to listen to podcasts and audiobooks and learning while I stay busy doing other things, especially getting ready in the morning and also driving. So right now, Audible is offering two free audiobook downloads when you join Audible for a free trial period. And if you choose not to stay with Audible after the trial period, you still get to keep the audiobooks. So for more information, click the link in the show notes or go to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com forward slash audible. All right, everyone, I hope you enjoyed yesterday's podcast episode, but I hope you enjoy this one just as much because Dr. Bones really he talks about antibiotics and how important they are. You know, in yesterday's podcast, when I asked him, what is that one, if you could just pick one or one medicine, he referenced antibiotics and he said, you know, they're, they're really a game changer because you can get an infection that the over-the-counter medicines can't touch. And so one of the things that you'll hear, and I also emphasize as well, is there are unavoidable deaths that can happen when you are in an SHTF situation. And by unavoidable, we mean because you have the proper gear or the proper uh, resources, the proper medicine, there might be infections that you have that, or that someone in your family gets and with antibiotics, they can be treated and just cleared up just like that. But without them, they could possibly die. And so this is why this is so important. This is one of those things that always comes up. And I know that in the preparedness community, all the years that I've been doing it, and I've seen different people talk about antibiotics in different articles. I've seen it in uh, comments. So I know that this is a very important topic. And I really wanted you to have the most up-to-date information, but I also wanted it to come from a medical professional who has the information, who has been looking into this. So guys, without further ado, I'm going to stop yapping and I'm going to go straight to the interview with Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net. You know, those that listen to the podcast know that I've always said that that should be the number one book that any prepper should have is your survival medicine handbook. Definitely. Thank you. I'm honored. Thank you. Definitely. But the, you just recently came out with another book and you've kind of referenced it, the antibiotic book. And so if we can go kind of move into that, are you good with that? Absolutely. Let's go. All right. So what do antibiotics do? And uh, just for those of us who maybe just need to be clear on that, what do antibiotics do and why should preppers want to stockpile antibiotics? Well, antibiotics are powerful medicines. Uh, they fight certain infections and can even stop epidemics when they're used properly. So you could see that they are pretty important to have in situations where you are not having 
full access to modern medicine. So each of these medicines is a little bit different. They, they eliminate certain bacterial populations in various ways, ranging from uh, outright destruction of the cell walls of the bacteria to maybe inhibiting the germ's ability to repair itself or maybe even to reproduce. So the question is, why should preppers want to stockpile these medications? And, and it's for the same reason, as I mentioned before, that a prepper wants to stockpile food, water, and a means of defense. You know, if you envision a long-term disaster as a series of gunfights and hostile encounters, you're probably going to be, I was going to say disappointed, actually, you're probably pleasantly surprised <laughs> that that probably is not, going, is not going to happen. But you're going to be daily, daily at risk for infection from bad water, bad food. It's all sorts of stuff that can happen on a daily basis that can cause infection. So, and, and indeed, the majority of the casualties of a long-term event will be from the inability to rehydrate people that wind up having infections, especially intestinal infections that cause, um, that cause disease, uh, cause diarrhea, and cause major, major dehydration. So that is what I think is going to happen. I think that the majority of your deaths, your avoidable deaths, are going to be caused by that. And in any major catastrophe, I mean, there's just going to be a much larger incidence of infections. Uh, not only, and, and the thing is, is I say in, in, infections rather than injuries, but the truth is, is that the injuries will more often lead to infection. Mm -hmm. So you really have a, a major issue there. I mean, any break in the skin, remember your skin is your armor. Any break in your skin leaves your body prone to infection. And within a short period of time, you'll start seeing uh, a wound become red, it'll swell, and you know and that redness spreads. And once it gets into your circulation, well, you know, you're in big trouble. It could be a life-threatening thing. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw the uh, History Channel presentation um, after Armageddon. That was actually a number of years ago. And uh, in it, a paramedic, who was the head of a, of a household, uh, is in some kind of, I forget what the actual disaster was, but he's off the grid now and he's got to go and survive somehow with his family. And so he, he finds a community that's willing to take him in because of his medical skills. But he also has to do other activities as well, right? He has to do his other duties as well. And so he's in the garden and he winds up cutting himself and he sees that, he washes the area, but the area starts getting red and swollen. He goes to the antibiotic, to the medical stores and finds there's no antibiotics. And he can't find antibiotics anywhere, even traders that uh, come through, you know, with various supplies for people, you know, don't have antibiotics for him. And so he watches his infection spread over the next few weeks and he, and he dies from it absolutely avoidable, unnecessary death. And you lose a valuable member of the community, somebody with medical skills, simply because of something that could have been nipped in the bud if there were an antibiotic supply available. It's, it's a really, really terrible thing. I mean, you might not be able to cure somebody with a gunshot wound to the head, but you can nip that infected cut on somebody's hands right in the bud before it enters their circulation and kills them. And that's, that's important. After is one of those uh, videos that I talk about <clears throat> talk about a lot 
my uh, that's actually the one that got my wife uh, onto preparedness. We watched it one day. And so, yeah, exactly what you were talking about. And it was a pandemic that kind of started the whole, you know, thing uh, moving, moving downward. Here's the thing. You're talking about antibiotics. Everybody knows that an antibiotic is uh, a prescription medication. So when we're talking about stockpiling, how can a prepper stockpile medication like that? I mean, are we going to our doctor and lying about what we have so that we can stockpile medication or antibiotics? I mean, how do we, how do we go about doing that? Well, the average citizen would indeed consider the accumulation of antibiotics to be sort of problematic. Of course, you can accumulate over-the-counter drugs uh, pretty easily, and the, but antibiotics, that's another matter altogether. Unless you really have an infection, you're not going to be able to get uh, antibiotics from your doctor. And actually, that's probably good because there's an epidemic of antibiotic resistance in this country right now. And so... And that's, by the way, mostly not from, not from overuse by physicians, although that certainly happens, but mostly because 80% of the antibiotics in this country are used on food-producing livestock. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, what we're having is all sorts of uh, incidences of antibiotic resistance and bacteria that are developing res- uh, resistance, salmonella, um, E. coli, all sorts of things that you'll, you'll read it in papers that there are all sorts of outbreaks of, of these kinds of things. So, I mean, you can go to your doctor, but even if you have, let's say you have the most sympathetic physician in the world, but he, you ask him for antibiotics and he gives you a prescription for antibiotics. But are, are, can you ask him for 100 antibiotic pills? Probably not. You know, but the truth of the matter is, is that if, if, some disease happens, you're going to be thrown back to the 19th century from a medical standpoint. So you've got to have antibiotics in numbers in good quantities to in your medical kit if you're going to save people in your to save some of your loved ones when the inevitable infections occur. And so I believe there's a viable option, and th- that option is aquarium and avian antibiotics. And here's another one: How can I possibly make such a statement? You know, just like my expiration dates. What a crazy old man this guy is. But indeed, just like I wrote that article years ago about expiration dates, I wrote an article years ago, actually, it was, I think my first article that was published by Survival Blog back many years ago about fish and avian antibiotics. Now, I'm a, an unusual combination in that I'm both a physician and I also have raised tropical fish uh, I was president of an international uh, aquarium society. I raised, a, when I became, decided to become more self-sufficient, we raised tilapia in ponds. We also have a pet parrot that is now over about 30 years old. We call him TD Bird, and TD stands for that uh, darn, let's say. Bird. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do it all, man. You're a doctor. You got uh, the master gardener thing going on. I mean, everybody everybody wants you in their survival group. Well, you can say, and and I would love to be in everybody. I wish I, I what I am trying to do is I'm trying to put a cadre of people just like me in every survival group. And so I hope one day that I can get some make some progress in that. I hope I have made some progress in that way. Uh, but well, anyhow, you can say that we know our way about around medicine birds and fish, right? So after decades of using aquatic medicines for fish and avian medicines for birds whenever we need it, 
we decided to evaluate these drugs, especially the antibiotic drugs for their potential use in austere settings. And certain of veterinary medicines actually seem to be pretty good candidates. I mean, the ones we were investigating uh, were widely available uh, in different varieties. They didn't require a medical license to obtain them. And sure enough, having a supply of these would probably save a lot of lives. But could any of these drugs be safe to take? So you got to look at the ingredients of on the bottle. Simple, a simple thing to do that doesn't take a doctor to do. And we uh, we chose um, well with the, with the one of the antibiotics that we happen to have uh, right there for our fish, and it was called Fishmox, and probably the most well known fish antibiotic uh, among preppers nowadays. And uh, but what we did originally as we took a look at the bottle, simple as that, in the back of the bottle, the ingredients. There's one, amoxicillin 500 milligrams. So that's pretty, pretty interesting to me because, you know, 500 milligrams is the amount of amoxicillin I would give you, Todd, if you had an infection. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. There were no additional chemicals in there that or ingredients that would make your scale shinier, that would make your feathers brighter. <laughs> so <laughs> I was I was pretty pretty impressed that it came in exactly the dose that a human would take. I figured out, oh well let's see how many other doses it comes in. Well, so we researched further and we found that it only comes in human dosages. Either the five hundred milligram dose, which is the adult version, uh, they call it Fishmox Forte or the 200 milligram, 250 milligram dose, which is what they give, they give in the amoxicillin elixir that they give children, that pink elixir that they give kids. Um, so I asked, now why would a guppy require the same amount of amoxicillin as a human? I mean, it was suggested to me by some skeptics that it's because you place it in the water. But at the time, 10 years ago or more, there were no specific instructions anywhere that told me how much to add for to the fish tank is is one capsule the dose for a two hundred milligram aquarium a two hundred gallon aquarium or is it the dose for a fishbowl and so that wasn't there so my question became is this medicine for fish identical to the amoxicillin that humans use and so to determine this we did well the acid test I found a bottle of amoxicillin made by Deva Pharmaceuticals who makes to this day, human human antibiotics. And I opened up the bottle of Fishmox, I opened up the bottle of human amoxicillin, the 500 milligram version. The human amoxicillin was a red and pink capsule with the numbers and letters WC731 on it. The Fishmox was a red and pink capsule with the numbers and letters WC731 on it. So we figured out that that probably means that they're identical. And we found it hard to believe, but after discussing this with a number of professionals in the pharmaceutical field that uh, were also interested in preparedness, it actually confirmed our suspicions. It actually sort of surprised them too, because obviously they were seeing just the human antibiotics and not the bird, not the fish antibiotics. I'm the only person probably around that was using both the human versions on my patients while I was in active practice. And the fish version on my fish when they add fin rot or some other bacterial infection of fish. Hmm. And eventually we found 12 antibiotics or so that met 
the criteria. And what was my criteria? The veterinary drug had to have only one ingredient, the antibiotic itself. The drug, even though it was marketed for pets, must only be produced in dosage used from humans, human adults or children. The veterinary drug and human version must be identical to each other, physically identical to each other, down to the identification numbers and letters on the capsules. Uh, the medicine had to be av uh, available without a prescription so that people not with a medical license could get it. And it had to be available for purchase in bulk. And so, as you can imagine, very few antibiotic medications used in the veterinary field meet these criteria. Be, you know, horse, horse medicines are not going to be in the doses that humans use. And neither, and actually, a, a number of, um, a couple of dog medicines like uh, Clavamox is uh, essentially the same thing as Augmented, which is a common antibiotic that a lot of people in your audience will know about. But the only thing is that that one came in a number of different dosages that were, well, I mean, the dose for a Chihuahua is not going to be the dose for you, Todd. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so for that reason, I did not include that as one that was acceptable because it didn't meet my criteria. I really wanted that criteria to be strict because I knew that it was going to meet with skepticism and, and some criticism. And and we certainly got our share of that. But we wrote about that because we felt very strongly that this would save some lives in a setting where there was no access to modern medicine. And so uh, we wrote about that on the website, on, uh, first in Survival Blog, then, our own, then on, on our own website, then in the Survival Medicine Handbook. And then we expanded it to uh, 322 pages on that one topic in our new book, um, Alms Antibiotics and Infectious Disease. And we, and the subtitle is The Layman's Guide to Available Antibacterials in Austere Settings. So we're telling you that it's what's available, what, what it treats, bacterial infections. It will not treat in a viral infection. Antibiotics don't treat viruses. And when you should use it, austere settings. And who should use it? Or who, who, is, it, who is it good for? The layman. For, Obviously, if you were a microbiologist or an infectious disease doctor, it was probably below your pay grade. But the truth of the matter is, is that it's it's a pretty unique book. You're not going to find a lot of people to uh, that write books like this. Definitely, what you're saying is that the antibiotics that you found were the same dosages as human dosages. Are they manufactured differently? Are they you know, no, as a matter of fact, they are manufactured in the same batches and they're redistributed. Um, you, if you go to thomaslabs.com, you'll see the exact same medicine just as, as human amoxicillin. It just packaged in a bottle that has a fish on on the cover and, and the fish on the label. And they do, I think, now because of, uh, because of pressure from, from the government, I think they are actually having to say, you know, don't use this on humans and things like that. And indeed, in normal times, you should not use that on humans. You should only use antibiotics when they're absolutely necessary, period. But, you know, if you have access to modern medicine, medical care, you should use human medicines like everybody else. You know, seek modern standard care whenever it is available, as we say on our, on our podcast. I mean, it would be, you know, now, I want to say that would be hypocritical of me to suggest that a veterinary antibiotic 
can be used in humans without testimony. And here's my testimony. I have personally used probably four of these, four or so of these antibiotics, not all of them, on my own person without any ill effects. Whenever I've used them, the results have been indistinguishable from using human antibiotics. And see, that's something you might expect since they are indeed the same medication, identical in my in my opinion, and in the opinion of a lot of people in the pharmaceutical. You, you didn't go pills or Well, I like the water, but I, I can only spend a certain amount of time under it. <laughs> Well, I, I'm glad. I mean, I know, like, like I said, I have read your articles um, for, for Prepper website, and I've even read them on the podcast, and I still come across um, comments on websites and different things like that where people, like, I would never use a fish antibiotic, and I'm just like, wait a minute, there is legitimate, you know, work that has been done on this, and so I think what you're doing is so valuable to the preparedness community. I don't think people realize how many lives, like you were saying earlier, avoidable deaths, right? There's going to be those injuries that happen, but avoidable deaths because people heed this advice about antibiotics. And so I think it's a very important work out there for, for, for the preparedness community and anyone else that would listen. So, Going back to expiration dates like we talked about before, are the expirations the, the same type here when we're talking about antibiotics or, you know, do they have a, a shorter uh, shelf life than over-the-counter medicines? Can you help us out with that? No, they all have their own uh, specific uh, antibiotics. They have their own, everything has its own expiration dates, but uh, pharmaceutical companies in general like those expiration dates to be somewhere between 12 and 24 months for just about anything. Now, other medical supplies, things like um, the hemostatic agents that like Celox or Quick Clot, uh, they'll have longer expiration dates, five years or so. In, in some cases, longer. Uh, the even bandages, in some cases, Israeli battle dressings, um, I think, have an expiration date of five to eight years, something like that. So I mean, everything has expiration dates, and this is just the amount of time they're willing to guarantee, I guess, for a bandage that it's sterile or um, the blood clotting agents that they'll clot blood as, as advertised, but they probably would last longer. There haven't been any. I, I, I can tell you right now that I have a medical kit from World War II that I obtained, and the the bandages look pretty good to me. <laughs> you know, they look like bandages. You know, they have they haven't um, disintegrated or anything. I guess they will one day, but uh, it'll be after I'm gone. That's for sure. But definitely, the antibiotic medicines will will last like over the counter medicines. Am I? Did I hear you? Yes. Correctly? Well, they were part. You know, a number of these antibiotics were actually part of the shelf life extension program study. Okay. Perfect. So, yes. Can you give us a couple of antibiotics that are good general and I mean is there such a thing right I'm not a professional you're the professional is there uh, an overall general antibiotic maybe that if preppers were looking to get some of these purchase some of these um, that they would say okay th this is maybe the first one I should get maybe the second one I don't know well there are, uh, are, there are a number of antibiotics that we write about so many 
in our in our book that honestly few people would have the wherewithal to purchase large quantities of every single one of them. So in reality, you do have to make a decision as to what makes the most sense for you. Unfortunately, no one antibiotic cures all bacterial infections. I mean, remember, and, and again, I just want to say again, no antibiotic cures viral infections at all. So in any major catastrophe, you're going to have to fend for yourself. You're going to have a lot of infections to deal with. So therefore, what you need to do is you need to find the right antibiotics to make sense. I think the first one might be amoxicillin or something in the amoxicillin family. This family is called the beta-lactam, beta-lactam, L-A-C-T-A-M, drug family. It includes uh, all the penicillins. It includes uh, things like Keflex uh, or cephalexin. So having, I think, amoxicillin or cephalexin, uh, Keflex or amoxicillin, so these are good options for, it's good for a number of wound infections, good for a number of respiratory infections. Um, and these things would be pretty common in survival settings to have these kind of things. And so I think that that would be a, a good thing. And the reason why it's a spe- those, these are especially good is because they're okay to use in pregnant ladies. There are medications that can be given to children, although lower doses, we tell you the doses that you should use in, in the book, of course. Uh, doxycycline, I think, is a good second choice. That's a member of, the, member of the tetracycline family. It helps take care of a lot of abdominal and diarrheal infections, but also some respiratory infections as well. Uh, after that, metro, uh, doxycycline is called bird biotic. Metronidazole, also, also known as fishzole, will deal with uh, both bacteria and parasites. And that's especially useful for those people that are going to be living in the backcountry or heading heading to a retreat in the back country in times of trouble where clear running water may still harbor, it may look pretty, but it may still harbor Giardia or other common organisms. So that might be a useful thing to have. And after that, I would say clindamycin is really good. Sulfa drugs, azithromycin, uh, ZPAC, all of these come in uh, different uh, Fish versions, clindamycin. Clindamycin is fish sin, C-I-N. Uh, bird, uh, fish sulfa forte is uh, the sulfa drug. And azithromycin, I think, is called bird zithro. These are good alternatives, and they're all, except all of that, doxycycline and these other medicines are all acceptable in penicillin allergic patients. But if you've had... Uh, Good experience with one or the other. I think that makes a little bit of sense. If you've taken clindamycin in the past and that worked well for for you, you were or your family was able to tolerate that particular medicine, didn't have a lot of bad side effects. You know that would be something that would go into my thinking in terms of picking an antibiotic that I would want to know. You know uh, that I would want to have. You might consider drugs like uh, erythromycin. You know, that's another one that comes in fish version, fish mycin, uh, for uh, those infections. I think that if you have a mix of these, uh, I would say uh, Keflex or about that one's called Fishlex, by the way. The Fishlex, Fishmox, uh, Bird Biotic, Doxycycline, those two, and then one or two of the others that I've mentioned, I think you might you might be good for many different types of infections. Like I said, it's not, it doesn't cure all, 
you know, no one medicine cures all, but you'll certainly be able to hit a lot of the types of infections that would occur in survival settings. Wow. wow. That's a, that's a lot of great information there. So if I want to stock up on fish antibiotics, bird antibiotics, if I want to do this, what am I doing? Am I going down to Petco? What, I mean, you know. They won't have it, actually. They, they, these things are now, um, for the most part, only available online. I think that uh, they, there has been some um, – is, is a changing landscape with regards to these medicines. I think that the FDA is taking a look at this and seeing that there's a lot of purchases of these medicines that are occurring that much more than before. And uh, they're, they're having companies change the, the way they look, perhaps. You, know, you might see the capsules may look different these days uh, in, in some situations. I know that doxycycline, they changed it from a capsule that was identical to the uh, the uh, the fish med- fish version is used to be a capsule identical to the human version. Now the capsule the fish version comes in just a 200 milligram packet of powder, mm. and so I think that this is something that over the course of time you're going to see more and more um, government regulation for this. So it's probably a good idea to get some while you can. Uh, but and they're widely available online. I would go. I would suggest Thomas Labs. Uh, that's one of the major distributors of fish medicines like that. And uh, there are websites like Fishmox, Fishflex.com. They seem to be reliable sources. Now, I, a disclosure here: that company has an ad on our website. But other than that, we have no financial or other affiliation. And although I would be traveling to these uh, expos and things like that in a Learjet if I sold them myself. I refuse to sell them myself as a doctor. I have to put my hands upon you for me to feel comfortable giving you a specific medicine, right? whether it's an antibiotic or any other. Good point. So Thomas Labs is, is a good place. And uh, I know that when I first started hearing about this, I could get them off of eBay and Amazon, but they, they quickly stopped that. Um, there might still be some people on eBay that, that do it, but uh, definitely uh, Amazon is not doing it any, any longer uh, from what I see. So, yeah, so go directly to Thomas Labs or, or the fishmoxfishflex.com or there are a number of others that, uh, other um, websites that do actually uh, sell these things. So – Tell us a little bit more about your book, because my question would have been, how can we get some more information about antibiotics and stockpiling them and what they do? But you have this great book, and you, you've written it. It's been very successful. Um, tell us a little bit about it and why we, we want to we get it for our preparedness library. Well, I'll tell you that, first off, before I, before I give you a shameless plug, but I'm being showed on eBay. Uh, you can find it on eBay too. Uh, uh, Amy is showing me uh, dozens. It looks like of sites where you can find it on eBay. All right. We believe you. I just walked by. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> Let me check <All> right. that. <laughs> so before before I give you a, a shameless plug about her book, I will just say that there are a lot of different places where you can find information about drugs, every kind of drug, including antibiotics. Uh, Drugs.com rxlist.com. These are two websites that'll talk about just about every kind of drug that you can possibly imagine. 
The physician's desk ref reference is a, uh, another option. It's now in digital form. It used to be a book about this wide and this big and came out every year. I still have uh, an old copy. If you can find an old copy, it'd be great because um, they'll probably have them on, on eBay, the actual physical copy, because obviously in some situations you're not going to be able to access uh, stuff that's digital but in, in survival. But uh, that's the, those are places that you can go where you don't have to buy a book to get this information. But if you want it all in one place and you want it specifically talking about what to do in survival settings, okay, then you might consider our new book, uh, All Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, The Layman's Guide to Available Antibacterials in Austere Settings. And it, it's essentially a detailed look into the burden fish antibiotics that we've been writing about all these years, and not only that, and the infections that they're helpful to cure and prevent. Um, it's hopefully going to help teach you how to identify a bacterial versus a viral infection. Not easy always to do that. It's going to talk about many different disease-causing organisms. We call them pathogens. Uh, all sorts of infectious diseases, those that are common now, and those that will become common in survival settings, concentrating, of course, on bacterial infections because the antibiotic book really is talking about how to deal with things that antibiotics cure, and those are mostly uh, mostly bacterial infections. So we talk about uh, that, how we talk about antibiotics in general, how they work, how to use them wisely, which is the most important thing. Uh, the individual antibiotics, the diseases each one treats, the doses, specific to the diseases, the side effects, allergies, uh, pregnancy and pediatric considerations, things like that. So uh, we talk also about how to establish an, an, an epidemic sick room that would be effective and keep give your sick people the best chance of getting better while at the same time uh, keeping your healthy people healthy and uh, dealing how to deal with wound infections, how to, how to perform wound care on infected wounds, and uh, a really comprehensive list of supplies for the effective survival medic, and a lot more. So there's a lot, lot in there that uh, you might find interesting, and it's written from the perspective of someone who assumes that something has happened that has left you, the average person, as the highest medical asset left to your family. Well, I always say that your survival medicine handbook should be the first book that any prepper should have. So uh, this new antibiotic book uh, that you have out, uh, I guess it's got to be the second one <laughs> that anyone should have in their preparedness library. Uh, Dr. Bones, I, I got to say that I, I really do mean it. What you and Amy are doing out there are, it's really such a blessing to the preparedness community. They're, you know, getting that information out there. Like I said, it's one thing to, to read articles. There's a lot of people doing articles on different things like that. But when you can, uh, when when you can hear it from somebody who's a professional, who's lived it, who has the the expertise, and you're hearing that, and then the resources that you're putting out there, it's uh, so valuable to to the preparedness community. So I do want to say thank you for that, and uh, we really do appreciate it. Where what can people do? If they're wanting to connect with you more, I know that I share your stuff all the time on Prepper website and on the podcast, but if people want to connect with you more, I know that you have you know tons of different channels out there, so can you share that with us? 
Absolutely. We we not only are on Prepper website, which is I and I want to give you back a little of the love that you just gave me. I believe that your website is absolutely invaluable, taking all the best knowledge from all over the internet and putting it in one website. And if you do not have proper website uh, as one of your favorite uh, websites, I got to put it on one of your favorites, put a big star there because that is an awesome website and you've done amazing things for people. You don't know, you don't know how many people you've helped with your website. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, uh, from, from our standpoint, of course, our website is doom, doom and bloom.net doom. It refers to the bad things that can happen in, in our lives, the disasters, things like that. And bloom refers to the, well, the human ability to be resilient in the face of adversity. And that's us doom and bloom.net. We have over a thousand articles, podcasts, and videos on our website. Our podcast is called the survival medicine hour. It is called, it is on uh, blogtalkradio.com. Uh, our other uh, podcast is called American Survival Radio. It is part of Genesis Communications Network. Um, our, web, our YouTube channel is Dr. Bones, Dr. Bones, Nurse Amy uh, channel. And we have a, a couple hundred videos on that one. Uh, we also uh, are called prepper show we're at prepper show on twitter you can follow us on twitter and of course um we have pinch uh, you'll find us all over the place <laughs> <laughs> definitely y'all have the facebook groups as well uh, yes right we oh, join our facebook group survival medicine dr bones nurse amy uh that's our facebook group or or just like our page doom and bloom uh, and so you certainly will find us there. And, and we always put all our uh, various podcasts and videos and things like that and articles on, on those pages as well as if you're on Facebook. Awesome. Well, Dr. Bones, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, recording this video as well. Um, again, I just want to say thank you for taking your time to do this. Well, it's a face that's made for radio instead of video, but. Here I am. It's what it's what I got. I thank you so much for everything that you do for your for the preparedness community, uh, Todd. I, I really can't tell you how much I appreciate you and, and thank you. It's an honor that you would uh, support us as well. All right. Thank you. God bless. Well, everyone, I hope you found a lot of value in this podcast episode. I think it's uh, it's very important and it's one of those that I hope you take a little bit more time. Maybe you listen to it twice and definitely jot down some information and definitely go check out Dr. Bones' new book, Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, The Layman's Guide to Available Antibacterials in Austere Settings. And so I'm going to go ahead and link to this. I'm going to link to it on the website. I can't link to it in the show notes because that's not uh, Amazon doesn't approve of that. But if you come over to the website, I'll have a link for you. Or you can go over to doomandbloom.net. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. And you can go over to Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's website and order their book from their website. And uh, definitely is one of those. And then also start thinking about which ones, which antibiotics you might want to stockpile. And Dr. Bones has given you a lot of great information on that. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 525. 
Hey, if you find that you are looking for more preparedness information and there's just not enough of the Prepper website podcast to go around, I'm going to invite you to come over to Prepper website. We link to somewhere between 8 to 12 articles every single evening. The new articles, the new preparedness articles, alternative news, all of that good stuff uh, that's out there on the internet. We link to it in one place and so that you can go there and get all the great preparedness information. And so we hope that you will continue to build your preparedness, even if it's on the weekends, whatever, you know, that you continue to build that knowledge and the skills. That's going to be very, very important. So prepperwebsite.com, we have certain pages for like if you're into alternative news or firearms or DIY or frugal living or even conspiracy theories, we have pages that are just kind of dedicated to those uh, that you can go and link to. And there's a lot of great information. A lot of those are updated daily as, uh, you know, just like the other articles are as well. But they're a little bit more automatic. So I'm going to welcome you to come do that. If you haven't signed up for our email list, I'd love to have you on the email list. Every Saturday, we put out the Saturday prep with with somewhere between five to six different uh, articles, podcasts, videos that would be of interest to the preparedness community. So uh, I'd love to be able to send that to you as well. Well, guys, I'm going to go ahead and end it there, and I'm going to start my weekend. I hope that uh, you have a great weekend as well, and you're able to rest and relax and add to your preparedness. Hey, don't forget, if you are listening to this episode and you are not subscribed to the show, you can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way, you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that... Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.